Welcome to Local SEO Today. On this podcast, John Vong interviews business professionals and entrepreneurs in many fields to uncover challenges and successes in business ownership. Our goal is to provide you with insights into the entrepreneurship journey and give you tips and advice from real experience. Brought to you by Local SEO Search based in Toronto, Canada. Welcome to another episode of Local SEO Today. Today, we have Mark Podolsky here with us. He's the owner of The Land Geek, and I'm excited to hear about his journey and a little bit more about himself and what he's doing today. So thanks a lot, Mark, for being here. John, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks a lot. So first off, I do want to start off with, uh, can you give some of the listeners uh, a little bit about your background, you know, a little bio or briefing about uh, people that don't know you as the land, um, you know, geek, what, what, or how did you start in the first place? Okay. So John, in 2000, I was a miserable micromanaged employee. I had a 45 minute commute to work and back and it got so bad for me that I wouldn't get the Sunday blues anticipating Monday coming around. I'd get the Friday blues anticipating the weekend going by really fast and having be back at work on Monday. So I'm working as an investment banker and I was specializing uh, in mergers and acquisitions with private equity groups. And so my firm hires this guy and he's telling me that as a side hustle, he's going to tax deed auctions. He's buying up raw land, pennies on the dollar. He's flipping them online and he's making a 300% return on his investment. So John, I'm looking at companies all day long and a great company has 15% EBITDA margins or free cash flow. Average company is 10%. And I'm looking at companies all day long, less than 10%. So of course, I don't believe them. So he takes me to New Mexico to, a, to an auction. I got like three grand saved up for car repairs. And I just do exactly what he says to do. I buy up 10 half acre parcels, an average price of $300 each. I flip them online and they all sell for an average price of $1,200 each. It worked 300%. So I took all that money. I went to another auction in Arizona, which is where I live. And again, this is 2000, so there's no one in the room. I'm buying up lots, I'm buying up acreage for like nothing. You know, over this next six months, I sold all that land and I made over $90,000 in profit. So I go to my wow. wife, I'm like, honey, I'm gonna quit my job. I'm gonna be a full-time land investor. And she's pregnant at the time. Yep. And she's like, absolutely not. So I said, okay. <laughs> so I worked part-time in land investing and it took about 18 months for the land okay. investing income to exceed the investment banking income. And then I quit and I've been doing it full-time ever since. I've done over 5,500 land transactions uh, since 2000 and I absolutely love it. So how has things changed over the years? Like, as you know, you've been in it for almost 20 years, right? And you've seen some ups and downs and some crashes um, and especially what's going on today. Like how has that environment uh, transitioned over the years? Yeah. So, you know, for my journey, you know, in the beginning, it was like a better job for me yep, yep. and I was doing everything. And then I met with my mentor, Ori, and he's like, Mark, he's like, don't tell me you're in the land business. He's like, this is not a business. 
Yeah. He's like, let me ask you a question. Can you travel around the world and the business is going to run itself? Yeah. Like, no. He's like, then congrats. You got a good job. Yeah. He's, so I'm like, well, what do I do? He's like, okay, you're going to start creating systems and processes and automation and get yourself out of the business. And that took me about five years. Okay. And so now I'm out of the business and I'm working about an hour uh, a week in the business. And sure enough, what happens in 2008, we've got the great recession. Now I don't personally get hit in 2000 until 2010, but John, I had uh, Parkinson's law of money. And I, I talk about it in my book, Dirt Rich, tell yep. the whole story. But basically the more money I made, the more money I spent. And in 2010, 50% of my income just went away on notes. And I'll kind of talk to you about the model and, and the whole note thing in the passive income piece, but it just went away. And so it took me another two years to kind of recover from that. And the company was still profitable. But I had built this huge personal overhead for myself, which was not great. Um, and I, I won't bore you with the details, but like I had a huge ego hit to the head essentially. And then now, so the, the company recovers, I'm doing just fine. We hit COVID-19 and the whole time I'm thinking, okay, it's going to be just like the great recession in 2010, but I've got raw land. I have a real asset and you've got all this volatility in, in paper assets with the yeah. stock market, man. I'll tell you, April was the best month in 20 years I've ever had in business. Um, we are, we can't keep enough land in inventory. My clients are selling like crazy. This is, I mean, I feel badly because millions of people are suffering, but I'm having the opposite sort of experience of just, we're thriving right now. That's amazing. So how did you transition from doing it yourself to scaling, having systems, processing people? Like, can you talk about like, you obviously your mentor really assisted you, but who did you start hiring first? Like what was the entire mindset behind all that? Like running a real business? Yeah. So let me just walk you through the model real quickly. So John, where, where do you live? I'm in Toronto. You're in Toronto. Okay. So I'm going to assume that you own 20 acres of raw land in Texas. Okay. And I see on the delinquent tax sale list, which is public information. Oh, there's John. He owes $200 in back taxes on this 20 acre parcel. And you live in Canada. So John, you're advertising two things to me. Number one, you have no emotional attachment to that raw land. You're in Toronto, properties in Texas. And number two, you're distressed financially in some weird way because you haven't paid your property taxes. And we don't pay for things. We don't value them in the same way. And as a result, the county treasurer in Texas keeps sending you a notice saying, John, if you don't pay your property taxes, you're eventually going to lose this 20 acres to a tax lien or a tax deed investor. So all I'll do is I'll look at the comparable sales on your 20 acre parcel for the last 12 to 18 months. I'm going to take the lowest comparable sale. Let's assume it's $10,000 and I'm going to divide by four. And that's going to get me what Warren Buffett would call a 300% margin of safety. So I'm going to send you an actual offer of $2,500 for your property and you accept it because for you, $2,500 is better than nothing. Now in reality, three to 5% of people accept my quote unquote top dollar offer. So now you accept it and I go through due diligence or in-depth research. Does John still own the property? Are back taxes only $200? 
Have there been any liens or encumbrances placed on the, on the, on the title, the cloud title? Have there been any breaks in the chain of title? What's the access like? What's compelling about the property? I have this whole property checklist, which I outsource to my team in the Philippines. I pay $11 for it. Now that's if it's $5,000 or less. It's $5,000 or more, we'll close through a title company. I don't wanna take any risk. Everything checks out. I send you a check for $2,500. And now I have a, I'm gonna sell this property three days or less. Now I have a built-in best buyer. Do you know who it is? John, you still with me? No. Did I lose yeah, you? Yeah, go ahead. You know the, okay. It's the neighbors. No, the neighbors. Oh. So wow. I'll send out neighbor letters saying, hey, neighbors, here's your opportunity. Protect your privacy, protect your views, know your neighbor. And oftentimes the neighbors will buy the property. Now, if they pass, I'll go to my buyer's list. If they have buyer's list passes, I'll go to a little website you probably never heard of called Craigslist. It's the 10th most trafficked website in the United States. I'll go to an even smaller one. I think you might've heard of this. It's called Facebook, the marketplace and buy sell groups. And then we're gonna make it irresistible. So I'm gonna make it a $2,500 down payment. And then I'm gonna owner finance, um, let's say 449 a month at 9% interest the next 84 months. So I'm gonna get my money out in the down. I might go six months out. And then I'm gonna make it a car payment, 449 a month for the next 84 months. John, no renters, no rehabs, no renovations, no rodents. And because I don't have a tenant, I'm exempt from RESPA, Dodd-Frank and the SAFE Act, all this onerous real estate legislation. So the game we play is going we create enough of these land notes where our passive income exceeds our fixed expenses. And now we're working because we want to, not because we have to. That's amazing. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's amazing. Um, so how many, obviously you found a very specific niche, right? And right. there's, you know, there's probably people competing on the same sort of, activity that you are right um no how do you out no there's oh. no competition in 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 because i'll 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 try to paint the picture for you okay have you ever been to a real estate investment association meeting yes okay there's a hundred people in that room yes. 99 of them are gonna be landlords house flippers and wholesalers you gotcha. and i john would be the only land guys there gotcha Gotcha. Plus, if you go on HGTV or the DIY network, you're not going to see me in flip this land. The before picture is raw land. The after picture is raw land. It is the most boring niche. And we have a massive market. There are billions of acres of land available and no one doing it. Mm. So you, me, a million people could do this. We're all going to run on money before we run out of deal flow. That's and, so, and so to get back to your original question, which is, well, how do I automate this? How do I only work an hour a week in the business? So essentially what I've done is I've each piece of that business of the model I told you, like first we're going to do county research and we're going to get a list. We're going to scrub a list. We're going to price a list. How much money do I make doing any of those activities? Zero. Zero. What's my hourly rate? I'm going to give myself an aspirational hourly rate of $5,000 an hour. Yep. So unless it's a $5,000 activity, I'm not going to do it. So I outsource this. I'll go to fiverr.com. I'll go to upwork.com. Yep. I'll create a video training them. This is what we do. So it's a one-time thing. I might hire three 
test them, keep one, and do all that. So now I've got my first part, my first half kind of outsourced and done there. Now, due diligence, again, we're going to outsource. So that's pretty simple. Then as far as dealing with the sellers, that's something called an intake manager. We're going to hire an intake manager. They're going to call the sellers because sometimes the sellers are just mad about the offer. Yeah, of course. So how much money do I make talking to sellers? Nothing. Zero. Yep. Zero, right? So again, not worth my time. Now we're going to send out neighbor letters and we'll have them go to the GIS maps, create a list, send out the neighbor letters. How much money do I make doing that? Zero. Nothing. So we outsource that piece. Right. So now we start doing our marketing and we hire ad writers. Again, we can do this very inexpensively with people and we might pay three to $5 an hour for the ads and the ad writers. And we'll do all that. And then we've got to talk to our leads. And that's where we have an acquisition manager who actually closes the deals. And unless they close, they don't get paid. So they eat what they kill. Commission. So we're all aligned. Yeah, they're commission only. Now we use software. So I have on the front end software called LG Pass, the LandGeek proprietary automated software system. When my team gets the list, they just put it into LG Pass. LG Pass has an API with a mailing company. So the mail goes out. When it comes back, they go back into LG Pass and it walks them through the, every single step all the way to closing. The contracts, what used to take me 20 minutes of paperwork takes one second now. And not only that, I don't even touch deeds. We use a, 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 a service called simplifile.com where I can just upload a picture of the deed and get it recorded. So then on the back end, we use geekpay.io, which is a seven and forget it payment system. So we collect our down payment. We set up the automations for the monthly payments via ACH. But if the ACH fails, they'll charge the credit card on file as a backup. So my default rate goes from 8% down to 4% using software. So delegating systems and processes and software, I'm 90% automated in the business. That's amazing. And you refined this over the last, I would say, 10 plus years? Well, it's, I mean, we're Kaizen. So Kaizen is a Japanese word for continuous improvement. Um, we're constantly refining it. That being said, it wasn't until Ori kind of kicked me in the head, said, dude, don't call yourself a, an entrepreneur. You're insulting me. Um, until you do these things, you're not. So yeah. it, it took me a long time to give up control. And for the longest time, John, I thought, oh, no one's going to be able to do any of this stuff as well as me. Yeah. So I kind of went through it kicking and screaming. It took about five years of Ori yeah. beating me up about once a week. Um, yeah. And it still took a long time. So it's, it's not like flipping a switch. That's amazing. So was there, was there anyone that kind of inspired you to become who you are? Or was this something you have always wanted to do? Like, I know generating a lot of revenue and income, passive income was your goal, right? But was there anything outside that kind of triggered you to do what you're doing now? I, I think that once I understood the the concept of death in a real visceral way not an intellectual way but a real visceral way that i'm dying i mean i'm really dying like i don't know when my last breath is going to be 
that's when I really started taking seriously this idea of every moment being precious. And if I'm constantly working and doing all these things, well, I don't have any time to do the things that I really want to do in life, which is deep in my relationships with my family, my friends, my community, my clients. It might be that I want to be fit, meditate, have a calm mind. These things are beyond money. No amount of money is going to give me any of those things. But if I'm constantly trying to solve my money problems and not my time problems, then I'm on a hamster wheel and, and death is coming faster for me. Not the way I want to live. So I want to solve my money problem and my time problem. And that's, and that's what's motivated me every single day where I can wake up and be like, okay, is this my last day? And if so, how do I want to live it? So how long did it take you to get to that point where money wasn't an issue anymore, where then you can take care of what's more important in your life, like relationships and health and your family, community, et cetera? Well, the business has been very profitable kind of for a while. So I'd solved my money problems pretty early, but I didn't solve my time problems until probably, gosh, maybe 2012. Okay. So it's, it's, been, a, it's been quite a journey of, of ups and downs. And, you know, by the sounds of it, of it you've been kind of on the up and up over the years, right? Did you have to face a lot of like, a lot of challenges or mistakes that you've made over the years as well. Like as good as it sounds, you know, there's always peaks and valleys, right. To everyone's journey. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, I think there's, you have, you know, good days and bad days for sure. There's a lot of things in life I can't control. So a lot of it has just been kind of letting go and yep. focusing on the things I can control. Perfect. And that way I can work in a more joyous way. Now, am I going to be happy? Probably not. But I'm not interested in happiness. I'm interested in joy. So, you know, with happiness comes sadness. You know, the moods are going to come and go. But joy I can tap into if I'm really working on my craft wholeheartedly every single day. And then it doesn't really matter if I get a sale, if I have a default, if someone quits, if I have to fire someone. These are things that are just part of the bigger goal of my life, which is being a good ancestor. That's great. So any advice that you would give to people kind of either um, starting their entire entrepreneur journey, like building a business, not like a side hustle or being in the business and stepping away um, over the years, you've probably learned quite a few things. Yeah. I mean, I think my advice would be, um, don't wait. Number one, number two, smart cut it. If there's a guy like John, you can just have as a mentor and follow the recipe, follow the recipe. Don't get in your own way. Again, time is very short. So we can always make more money. We can't get more time. So smart cut it, get a mentor. Um, and then number three, really start embracing the, the fact that, um, life is very short and do those things that are going to give you joy. So if you don't enjoy intake, outsource it. It's never been a better time in entrepreneurial history to be an entrepreneur. We can tap 
inexpensive global talent. We don't yep. have to go anywhere. I can't even tell you the last time I looked at a piece of land. It's all done virtually. Yep. Um, it's incredible. It's an incredible time to be alive, even in the midst of a global pandemic. It, it really is historic. So f- for the entrepreneurs out there, I would say um, keep going and, and enjoy that journey. And then in terms of like technology, I know you've built some of your APIs and platforms and software um, to really enhance your processes. But is there anything that you kind of use on a regular basis that really streamlines and saves a lot of your time that maybe are off the shelf or things that you can't live without? Yeah. So John, I've got three kids, but if I had a fourth, I would name my fourth child Zapier. Oh, Zapier, nice. Z-A-P-I-E-R.com. I'm in there every single day. So when you combine Zapier with, you know, like an Airtable.com or a Trello.com or a Podio.com, there's so much power in there and so much automation. So between like my own proprietary software and then using an Airtable and Zapier, man, it's pretty geeky what you can do. No, it's amazing because it's all about integration, right? And um, you might not even have to be uh, very tech, you know, you know, someone that is strong in the back end, right? Like outsource it, figure out a way to kind of see what integrates best with different softwares to really help benefit your business, right? Um, and I know there's a lot of uh, business owners that are more mom and pop or more the small, medium-sized businesses. You have to understand technology can really help you um, streamline some of the inefficiencies that you're running your business with, right? It's all about time. If you can shrink time or save time any way you can so that you can spend more time valuable time with the people that you love or do things that you are more passionate about. That's what life is about. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um, So what right now, obviously you've been doing what you've been doing and you have a great podcast, you have a great following. So what do people do? What do you do now with your free time? So Mondays and Fridays are my terminal days. Um, I spend those days pretending like it's my last day on earth. How do I want to do it? Usually I'll work out, I'll meditate, I'll spend time with my kids, um, coffee with my wife, or you know, have lunch with a friend. And then I love to, to read. And so I'll just spend time reading or thinking, um, you know, and doing those things. And then by the time the, the day ends, like, you know, maybe we, we'll cook a meal together, we'll go out or something like that. And, um, you know, watch a Netflix show or read some more. And by the end of the day, I want to feel like, ah, oh, if I die today, pretty good day. So those are, those are Mondays. And so I theme my days. So Mondays and Fridays are those two are those days. Tuesdays are my podcast days. So those, that's when I record my podcast with guests like you. Um, Wednesdays are my team meeting days. So that's where yeah, I've got four different companies. We meet with the different team members and I just kind of look at the numbers and, you know, God forbid I had a cup of coffee before that meeting. I'm going to break something and I annoy someone on my team. Like everything's working. And now Mark has an idea. So those are Wednesdays. Thursdays are uh, days to be with clients. And again, um, days to, to read and, and work on the business and think about just strategy and, and opportunities and, and, and those types of things. And uh, Saturday and Sunday are family days and, uh, as well. So, um, you know, within those three days, I'm I, I very productive and very happy to get a lot done and spend, you know. 
That's amazing. Do, do other things I want to do, which is, you know, I want to work out. I want to meditate. I want to, you know. Oh, that's amazing. So what's the, lunch, what's the most important thing in terms of your pillars then? Because of course you already have like your business, your four businesses, and then of course your family and, you know, some of these days designated, but is there like, I always want to make sure my family is the number one thing or health is the number one thing community. Like what are the main things for you? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's all encompassed as far as my why, which is I want to be a good ancestor. Yeah. And so to be a good ancestor, because in three generations, no one's going to remember me anyways. So to be a good ancestor is okay. Well, how do I impact my family? So that I want to be that pebble in the pond. I make that impact and it ripples out. It hits the family, it hits the community. Um, it hits uh, maybe the world. And I mean, look, am I really changing the world? I don't know. But I'd like to think that this little impact that I can make is making some type of positive change. And, and then every day that kind of motivates me to, to help others, my family, my friends, my community, my clients, so that they can get out of what I call solo economic dependency, which means if they're not working, they're not making any money and have real freedom, real, real freedom to uh, pursue their best lives possible, move up Maslow's hierarchy of needs into self-actualization. Uh, now that it seems like you have everything sorted in your life, um, where do you see yourself in the next five, 10 plus years? Where do you want right, to go so, with it? So right now I'm working on my second book, um, the sequel to Dirt Rich, which okay. is basically what we were talking about before, land. how to scale a land business. Um, there's other opportunities that I'm pursuing. Um, and then just expanding my impact, helping more people uh, every single day and, and taking on more interesting challenges, whatever those come. And, and just living intentionally and doing what I want to do, when I want to do it, where I want to do it, and with whom I want to do it. And again, um, I think that's the most joyful way for me to live. That's amazing. So thank you for so much of your insight, Mark. I really appreciate it. Uh, where can some of our listeners get a hold of you, um, your businesses, or some of your social handles? Yeah, so I think the best place to start is thelandgeek.com. And John, I've got a, a course. It's $97. And it's how to double your money 30 days or less. I'd love to offer that course to your listeners for free. So if they just go to thelandgeek.com forward slash quick deals, um, they can get that course for free and see if this uh, model um, is right for them or not. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much, Mark. I really appreciate it. I learned so much from you today and we'll definitely be in touch. Thanks, John. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to our latest podcast. Please subscribe to Local SEO Today and tune in to our next episode.